We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Notre Dame fans, welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. It's Saturday, so y'all know what that means. It is time for the RTCF show. I am joined by Sean Davis, the one of our recruiting analysts at Irish Breakdown. Sean, we have some very interesting topics today. I'm Brian Driscoll, the publisher at IrishBreakdown.com, and you know we're getting closer and closer to college football, Sean, and we just continue to not be able to dive fully into preseason talk because there has just continues to be so much recruiting news. With Notre Dame, the Irish are back on top with the number one ranked class, according to the On3 consensus, the 247 composite, the 247 rankings, the rivals rankings, and ESPN. The only ranking that does not have Notre Dame number one is On3's own individual rankings. And that is obviously due to the fact that Notre Dame got Jaden Greathouse. And the question that a lot of Notre Dame fans ask in every show we talk about in recruiting, and, and we constantly get asked this on the message board, and it's a very fair question, is can Notre Dame get the number one class? And a lot of people talk about, oh, they can't, the numbers don't add up. There's a lot of different things going to this that we're not going to necessarily focus on today. The focus today is going to be on if they're going to finish with, I mean, I guess the, a number one or number two ranked class is great. But more so, Sean, our focus is on that gap closing class. That yeah. class that is just so good that you look at and say, hey, boy, you know, Notre Dame took a step. They took a step towards everybody else this year. And that's what our focus is going to be on today. And, and you know, there was an interesting conversation that or question that we got asked yesterday. And, Sean, you and I spent a lot of time talking about it today on the phone. And that is, you know, no, the expectations for the staff and whether or not they've met expectations. And I, I think the consensus is this staff has done a great job so far. But I think at, at this point in time, what they're now going to be evaluated on just as much as just the what they've done up to this point is the close. And as you know, in this world, it's what have you done for me lately? And this staff is going to be largely evaluated on how they close. And I think the close is going to be important to Sean, to them completely capping this class off in the way they need to in order to truly take that big, giant talent leap. And that's what our focus is going to be on today. But there are like really five, four players and, and, a, and a position that I think right now are realistically on the board for Notre Dame. It does not include Caleb Downs. We just don't think we've never really felt Notre Dame had a great shot at him. So we're going to focus on the the four players and then the, the position that we think could have a couple players at it. End of the day, Sean, how they close on this sort of five spots is really going to ultimately determine if this is a number one or number two ranked class that, that really closes the gap or a three to five ranked class that's a great class, but, but still work to be done yeah. as far as taking that next step. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You know what? Uh, When the question was asked, and we got a chance to discuss it, I think the things that there were three things that stuck out to me the most. Mm -hmm. One, Notre Dame and this staff have raised the floor of recruiting Mm -hmm. at Notre Dame. And I don't think it's ever going to come back down. Mm -hmm. I think that floor has been raised. More importantly, it's been raised in the eyes of recruits. Mm -hmm. Like you talk about how the fans feel, how the staff feels. Recruits around the nation have to start to view themselves in connection with Notre Dame in a different way. Mm -hmm. One of the things we talked about last week, or we actually have talked on the phone this week, the most important thing that's going to change that narrative is winning. Mm-hmm. and winning big-time games. And I'm, right. we're going to talk about that a little bit. Secondly, I think their ability to get in on top recruits, top 50 recruits, mm-hmm. five stars, that normally under the previous regime would not have mm-hmm. even – they would have given up early on. Notre Dame has chosen to stay in those fights. They might not win those. And they're not going to win them all. Yeah. They're not going to win them all, but they're definitely making an imprint and they're starting to you know, catch the attention, mm-hmm. especially in the 24 class of the elite top guys. And then lastly, this staff has done a tremendous job of transitioning. And I don't think a lot of people realize the task, the task that was put before Marcus Freeman. Correct me if I'm wrong. The easy thing for Marcus Freeman to do was to coach this team and get them ready for the Fiesta Bowl. Mm-hmm. Like, that was the easy part, in my mm-hmm. opinion, for him. These were guys that he knew. These were guys that he had coached with, and pretty much he had been around them. Marcus Freeman, even when he was the defensive coordinator, was the type of guy that would walk around and talk to every player on the team, mm-hmm. not just the defensive guys. He had relationships, dap, slapped hands, you know, smiled, joked with every player on the team when they were in warm-ups or whatever. That was just his personality. Now he comes out of that, and he has to build a staff. Not only a staff to recruit, but he has to build a staff that's going to develop his current team, mm-hmm. right? Then he has to bring them in. He has to allow them to be able to look at who's currently on the board and who they would like to add to the board. Mm -hmm. And the one thing I would like to point to is the recent commit that Notre Dame just got, which for me is the highlight of what we're talking about. To get in as late as they got in on Jaden Greathouse and not only get him to ultimately commit to Notre Dame, but Brian, you know this, and he's not the only one that is committed to Notre Dame that has this this type of story. To get in late on a kid and to jump to the top with that kid as fast as Notre Dame did with this staff and then to battle and keep him away from schools like Texas, Texas A&M, 
and others that were coming after him, you really had to tip your cap to the effort that it took to do that. It wasn't like they grinded and just worked their way up methodically. It was like once Notre Dame got in contact with these kids, all of a sudden they became one of the favorite programs. And then the next thing you knew, wow, Notre Dame actually leads for this kid. So for me, I've seen multiple efforts that have played out that way. And hopefully they're going to continue to play out that way. And last but not least, Brian, I don't think either one of us back in February thought we'd be sitting here on July the 16th with 20 commitments. I think 20 probably would have been about the max of what, mm-hmm. what we thought they could be. You know, mm-hmm. they've, they've closed on some guys a little sooner. They've been in, you know, there's a chance you could get up to 22 or higher by the end of the summer. Yeah. You know? And, yeah. and, you know, we talked, we did a show like about a month ago and, and you know, maybe it's been a little bit longer, but, you know, we kind of talked about what the close would look like. And I think 20 to 21 was like, that's what our prediction was. And at the time I was like, wow, I can't like, we're talking about this. Right. Because what's this whole conversation about, right? Sean, it's about, it's about building the roster to the point where you compete for a championship. You know, yeah. this is the RTCF show, right? So we're not just talking about recruiting today. Yeah. We're going to have this topic for recruiting. We're going to talk about some missed opportunities with, for Notre Dame. And, and that part of the show will be about, will be about games or missed opportunities. And then the last part is we're going to talk about title contenders this year. Notre Dame being one of them where they stack up to each other and then stack up against past winners and then maybe some breakout thing that teams and all that. But that's what Notre is trying to get to. Right. But the missed opportunities weren't just recruiting. I mean, on the field, there are a lot of recruiting ones that have kept you from getting your roster to that point. Mm-hmm. And, and when you look at the staff, I mean, you've got to be able to, you've got to be able to fight those fights. What Notre Dame fans are going to have to understand is like, you're not going to win all those battles right. because you're, you're going to lose kids to Ohio state. You're going to lose kids to NIL. You're going to lose kids to Bama. The key now is you're beating those teams. Like, I mean, 12 days ago, we did a show on Christian gray. Who was this final three LSU and Ohio state. And he, and he was a take there. Wasn't like, you know, the situation with like Rico Flores, for example, who was a take for a long time, but not at the very end when they filled up, you're, you beat them for Brendan Vernon, you know, Drake, they made a run at Drake Bowen. And he, he wasn't interested. You know, they're, they're trying to flip Keon Keeley, not interested. But you're also going to lose some of those battles. That's just the reality of it. Yeah. So, you know, I think when we look at the staff, I think they've done a great job so far. But but as we said, the evaluation, the grade at the end is going to be on the complete class, not mm-hmm. just where you were on July 16th. Because right now they're ranked number one on July 16th and 23 and 24. Not ranking number one at the end is not a failure. No, by any stretch. I mean, again, you, we're, we've raised the bar of the conversation in the past. They'd be number one. Like, you know, the question would be is, OK, how how much can they hold on? How how far are they going to drop? Yeah. I mean, Notre Dame was ranked number one at one point in time last year. And they were ranked at number one at one point in time in 2021. In the with when they had Tyler Buckner and Blake Fisher and Gabriel Rubio all in the class very early. But it was kind of like you, 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 you all your top players were already kind of committed now it's like, okay, how far are you going to fall and can you stay in that top 10 range? Well, now they're in a situation where there are a lot of top players still on the board that you got a shot at and you got to get them. And that's what we're going to discuss. So how we're going to kind of go through this, Sean, is we're going to go through sort of position by position mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, ranking them by who's most important. I, I think I think the reason I'm a little uncomfortable with that is because we could give you our opinion of who's most important, but yeah. that has been will get used by somebody to go back and say, "Hey, so and so said that you know Notre Dame, you're not as important yeah. as Notre Dame is." Um, we don't want to put the staff no. right. in that position. Yeah. So we're and, and at the end of the day, I think they're all important, and this isn't like a cop out, but like this is what we're talking about, right? Like you have to land on these guys. You've had your you've been you've sustained the misses you've been able to sustain, right? Now it's about overcoming the one big miss that you don't have an answer for right now, which is quarterback, and then making sure that you don't miss on the other needs that you have in the class. Yeah. And I think and, and and big ones that you have in the class. And that's kind of what we're gonna what we're gonna go through. So let's begin. And and we won't talk a lot about the first one. That's gonna be Ronan Handifin because we talked a lot about him last week. Yeah. When we talked about closing at receiver and how imperative it was that they finished with Jaden Greathouse and Ronan Hannafin. And I have an article up today, Sean, at Irish Breakdown. And the reality is, is without Hannafin, this is a really good receiver class anyway. 
Yeah. But if we're talking about really closing the gap, really taking that big chunk where maybe only Ohio State's going to be the only team that has a better receiver class than you, they've got to get Ronan Hannafin. I mean, he, they need him numbers wise. But the other part of this, too, is when you have a six foot three, 205 pound kid that is that explosive athletically, and, and he was kind of, he, he was a guy that you don't, you're not supposed to miss on that guy. You, you, yeah. The great house, Braylon James, those you understand. This isn't one you miss on. This is a Massachusetts kid that goes to a private school that's been leaning toward you for a long time. Got to get that kid. And, and I think it's, it's wherever you want to rank him on the list of importance. What I do know is this on offense, this is a musket. They cannot afford to miss on Ronan Hannafin. They have to close. This is a big challenge for Chancey Stuckey to close this one out. And you talk about closing the gap on a kid like this. It goes back to relationships. It goes back to understanding. <laughs> we talk about this all the time. Like, sometimes you forget you're talking to 16, 17-year-olds like, that wake up in the morning. The one morning they feel a certain way, and the next morning they feel another way. Like, one thing they looked at as a positive on yesterday, they can wake up and see it as kind of a negative on today. So – that's the challenge of this coaching staff now, right? Being able to soothe whatever questions or doubts that might be creeping in or whatever piece of negative recruiting that might be going on to allow that player and that young man to feel like this is ultimately the right decision. And look, they've had to deal with that with some of the people, some of the young men that committed in the month of June and July that went through stages of, Okay, I think this is the place I want to go. Some doubt, some things, and ultimately coming to the realization that, yes, Notre Dame is the place that I want to get to. So uh, I think a lot of people, what you said is correct. Ultimately, the class will be determined by, you know, the papers that come across the fax machine or via email, you know, on closing, you know, mm-hmm. the closing signing day, signing right. day, closing day. I'm sorry, but to this point, yeah, you know, you just have to be able to tip your cap and then understand that the fact that one of these young men is deciding to stretch things out or he's battling with whatever that's going on in his mind or his heart has absolutely nothing to do with the inability of the staff to close. They've proven to a certain degree mm-hmm. that they can close. Right. To a certain degree. Right. They've right. proven to a certain degree that they can close. Now we get to see can they take that next step right. in closing? Whether it's right. with, you know, getting guys like Jeremiah Love in the class or Jay Osbury in, in the class before the season starts. And uh, Ronan Hennison. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are three guys that have possibilities of, you know, committing right. to Notre Dame before their seasons. Then you go into the fall and you have the big boy battles with Samuel and Pemba. Yeah. We talked about Caleb Downs. Like the, the important thing about Caleb Downs is that they're in the kids like that. You have to be in the fight because it gives more attention to the coming classes and their top kids that, Hey, okay. Like, he actually really considered Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Like, let me take a look at them as well. You might not get the 23 kids, but you can get the 24 right. kids or you can get the 25 kids. So everything has a purpose. And like you said, ultimately they will be determined right. by what they're able to do in the totality of the class at the end. But I think things are trending. Can I tell people to kind of like back away from the ledge when it comes to Roman Hannafin? Like, I think so. I think it's way yeah. too early for panic. Yeah. I, I do think his recruitment is different, though, and this is why I think some of some people are panicking. There was assumption for a long time that he was going to pick Notre Dame, and yeah. this was a no-brainer, and that was true. I mean, for a long time, that was like, yeah, other schools are, are charging, but it's going to be Notre Dame. That was the thought for a very long time, and that's why I think his is a little different. And, and, and what I mean by that is with Ronan, you know, talking to my sources, I do think he's having a tougher time making the final decision than 
I thought he was going to have. Mm-hmm. And it really just comes down to Notre Dame and Clemson. Alabama made a, a hard run at him, but they never were able to catch Clemson, much less Notre Dame. Yeah. Well, Clemson is now is charging. And I think Clemson is doing some things to, to make it. There's some relationship because you talk about relationships. And as we've said before, these relationships aren't just strong on the Notre Dame side of things. Right. Right. And I, and I think for Notre Dame, I think Notre Dame had a strategy with Ronan Hannafin that made a lot of sense, but maybe they were a little late to adjust on it. What I mean by that is Notre Dame kind of went after Ronan Hannafin with the big guns. It was Marcus Freeman and it was Tommy Reese. And then that, let you know, freed coach Stucky up to focus on some other guys. Well, I think that has kind of allowed the receiver coach at Clemson to develop a relationship with Ronan that maybe Coach Stuckey is still trying to build. Yeah. And I think that's the issue. And and so I, I do think this one's a little different because this is one of those recruits where you're like, like you and I were chatting earlier, Sean, and it was it was we were going through what the class, what we think the class would look like if mm-hmm. the previous staff was on board. Yeah. And and kind of trying to be honest about guys that they got or didn't get or whatever in the, in the past. And, and and to me, this is one that they would have landed. Right. And, and so you, you, you got to land them. Right. I think, and I think that's what makes him a little different than, you know, Jaden Greathouse or Braylon James or Jeremiah Love or, you know, Jaden Osbury or Samuel Pemba, because this is the one that you, you, you can't miss out on. And because it is at a position where you still have a giant need I think it makes it important. However, I do think people are kind of uh, reacting to things that I think are either misleading, uh, over being overblown a little bit, yeah. and and but I think there's also the reaction to hold on a second. This one sh- this one shouldn't even be close, and I think that's where some of the panic comes from. But I, I think it's I definitely think it's too early to panic. I have never felt like they're going to lose Ronan Hannafin in regards to I thinking that okay, right now he's going to pick someone else. I just think it's a lot tougher battle. And it's a lot tougher decision for him right now than it than it was a month ago, and I think that's the that's the part where you look at it and say, you know, that's concerning, and you've got to close on a guy. Now, the next guy, Jeremiah Love, you know, I think this one this one is a little bit interesting because this has been such a roller coaster recruitment, Sean. <laughs> because you know, Dela McCullough steps into this situation with a running back already in the board. Yeah, you know that that he didn't necessarily. Love, oh, no pun yeah. intended. Yeah, and and that Cedric Irvin, like great kid, loved him as a kid, just kind of as a player, just didn't think like this is the kind of guy we're going to go beat Ohio State, Bama, Clemson, Georgia with, yeah. right? And I think it, it it took a while for them to get there, which made it a challenge with Jeremiah Love, because you did want two running backs in the class, you were trying to get Jaden Lamar, you're also trying to get. Jeremiah Love. So then you kind of have to look at him as sort of an athlete and 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 then you kind of, you know, you're, you're not sure, can we make it work numbers wise, you know, because we need four to five receivers. We also need you know, two backs, but can we take three backs? Yeah. And then once Ronan Hannafin was kind of determined to be an offensive player, I think that kind of even made it even more challenging. And I think this is an area where this, the, this staff has proven itself to be different than the previous one is I, th- I don't think the previous one would have done the hard thing, which is to tell Cedric Irvin, he just doesn't have a spot. And, and I don't think that if, if I don't think they'd have been in a position to kit him in the class, if, if they weren't willing to make that decision to drop Cedric Irvin, to be honest with you. And yeah. so this makes it interesting, but then you had to kind of play a little catch up there because now you're like, okay, you know, yes, you are an athlete, but we also like it running back. And, and the message has been different and, and changing. The good news is, is he's down to two schools and one of them is Notre Dame. He did will not tell us who the other one is. I don't know if it's Alabama or Michigan, but it's another battle where you're going against Alabama, just like you did for Ronan Hannafin. And, and, and you got to close because the thing about Ronan and Jeremiah love Sean, and you, let's put them in a category together. The reality is, What's the one thing that we will always say Notre Dame never has enough of? I don't care what they do. They always need more of. It's explosive playmakers on offense. Yes. And and that's what both of these kids are. And however you want to give them the ball, these are explosive playmakers on offense. Jeremiah Love is one of the more raw football players on the board. 
But when the light goes on, technically, this kid, I mean, he is a more athletic version of Josh Adams, in my opinion. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think CJ Procise is an maybe even better comparison. Yeah. I'd say he's a little faster version of CJ Procise. And that either either one is is really impressive. So it's twofold for me, Sean. You need to add the playmaker and you need to beat Bama because you need to make sure that that's not where he goes. That's, as we've said before, the ultimate gap-closing moves are not only adding big-time players, but batting it, but adding impact players that you're now keeping from those other schools, and that's what Notre Dame has not been doing. They've been finding the Jeremiah Usukoromoas and the Isaiah Foskies and the sleepers that they've been able to build up, Yeah, which is great. But you need to get more of the Keon Keeleys as well because that means you're not letting them go to – Bama, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State, and that's the key. And that's what Ronan Hannafin and that's what Jeremiah Love are because we think Bama's number, the other team, we think. We know that Clemson's the other team for Ronan Hannafin. We know that Bama is is one of the finalists for Samuel and Pemba. We know that Ohio State is a finalist for Austin Novoset, who we'll get to. Right. So, I mean, you're going toe-to-toe with these programs. And I think that would even add to how impactful this close would be is you're not only landing good players, but you're landing big-time players. But with Love specifically, Sean, this is a, a huge battle because what's one area that you and I have said on top of the local region that they have to get back to? Uh, you know, well, there's really three, right? We've said they've got to recruit the Atlantic region, they've got to recruit Texas, and they've got to recruit St. Louis. Yes. And that's what, you know, if, if you can land two athletes the caliber of, Saint, of Christian Gray and Jeremiah Love out of St. Louis in one class, that's big time. That is big time. And that's why Jeremiah Love to me is important. And, and and that might end up being one of the factors that ultimately leads him to choose. It has been that pipeline over the previous two or three seasons that has started to be established from St. Louis. That gives mm-hmm. you a Gabriel Rubio, gives you a Tyson Ford. Kyron. Takes you Kyron yeah. Williams. Gets you in there in the final two with mm-hmm. Jeremiah Love. Gets you at the top with Ryan Wingo. And 24. And now you start to see those guys and they're like, okay, as soon as Notre Dame walks in to that region, everybody knows, right. yo, Notre Dame's here. Like right. Notre, Dame, Notre Dame's here. And I think for a long time, Oklahoma had tapped in. And, and Ohio Oregon. State was really, was doing a lot there Absolutely. too. Absolutely. So, you know, this is one of the things you talk about Dylan McCullough and the decision he had to make. He made the decision to raise the floor. He just made the decision. Tough decision because ultimately, yo, you have to hurt a young man. Who's a really good kid and had done everything right. Absolutely. Wasn't taking visits, wasn't looking around, all that stuff. He did everything right. Yeah. But ultimately, you know, you have that, and the kid ends up at Stanford, which is another great institution. And, you know, you wish him the best. And – the staff was willing to take – this is the thing. The staff knew they were going to take bullets mm-hmm. after making a decision. Mm-hmm. And for the big picture, they were willing to deal with it yeah. in the short term. Right. And they're like, okay, yeah, we'll look like the bad guys right now. Sure. But for the long-term picture, the big picture of this program, this is what we have to do right? ultimately. And that leads you to be in the top two with Jeremiah Love. So, yeah, I, I agree – with for me, Jeremiah Love and just you know Ryan has done a great job covering his recruit recruiting and um it's going to be about the relationship. I'm very yeah. comfortable with the fact that he is a Dylan McCullough guy. Right. He is a guy identified by Dylan McCullough. As soon as he got here, this is a guy we need. Let's go get him. Great relationship between the two, and ultimately, I think that along with some relationships with the players and some other things will lead the way. Don't forget, now there's a commit from St. Louis right. that's working. Who's pl- and who's played against. And him. played against them. So, Sean, can I say something right there? Because yeah. this is an interesting observation as well. Here's another reason why I think St. Louis is important. And this is where I think past Notre Dame coaching staffs have missed the boat a little bit in Chicago, mm-hmm. is there's a perception about Chicago, right? Yeah. As just a city in general, right? low academics, all this other kind of stuff. And, you know, all the things we think of when we think of big urban cities. St. Louis falls into that category. But what is often missed by those people is these, both of those cities have very strong 
private school presence in regards to producing football players. And the majority of those schools, as far as I know, Sean, you could speak better to, to, to Chicago, but from what I know about St. Louis, these are not schools where you're going down there and these are just football players that they're just letting get by. Right. Ryan Wingo goes to a private school. Kyron Williams went to a private school. Christian Gray goes to a private school. Uh, Gabriel Rubio went to a private school. Uh, Jer- Jeremiah Love goes to a private school. I think the only guy that went to a public school was Tyson Ford. Yeah. But you know, these these are schools where these kids are going there because the, there's an opportunity to get an education as well. And we see that in Chicago, right? And some of the public schools in the, in the, the suburbs areas are very good, the public schools. But, like, you look at a kid like Justin Scott, who goes to St. Ignatius. Now, my understanding is that's a really good school. My understanding really is that school. Mount Carmel is a really good school. Mm-hmm. And I think th- those are the areas where when you have areas that are that are athlete filled, filled with athletes, right? Like a lot of athletic athlete driven is what I meant to say. And and there are a lot of them are coming out of private schools. DeSmet, St. John Vianney for Carden Williams, uh, Uni- Wingo goes to university. Christian Brothers is a powerhouse in Missouri. Yeah. You have to start developing a pipeline as much as you can because there's a lot more Jeremiah Loves and Christian Grays coming out of that area. Jordan Johnson was one of those guys, right? Didn't, they're not all going to work out, but you got to make that a pipeline. And I really feel like if they can add two in one class, you're really starting. And these are top hundred kids, right? I mean, you know, Christian Gray's a top hundred kid according to, I think Rivals has him in the top fifty. I, we have him as a top one hundred caliber kid. Yeah. And Jeremiah loves another one, I believe. Now, because what's funny is when they first started looking at him, he was basically a consensus three-star recruit. And props to the staff for getting on him before he blew up. But you look at him now, he's top 100 by – he's number 49 by rivals. He's number 90 by ESPN, and he's 67 mm-hmm. on the on-three consensus rankings. These are top 100 kids. Yeah. And I think that only adds to the importance of, because you're not just getting some three-star underrated kid that, that wasn't a great high school player. When you got Kyron, he was a three-star, but he was a baller in that area. Like he, everybody knew who Kyron Williams was in that area. You know, Tyson Ford was a highly ranked kid. Jordan Johnson was a highly ranked kid. Christian Gray, highly ranked kid. Gabriel Rubio, highly ranked kid. So I think that's another important piece of this, that it just, it opens up that pipeline. We talked about it in Texas. They've hit the home run in Texas. Jeremiah Love to me is needed to hit that because here's the thing. There's one guy on the board that we're going to talk about here in a little bit <laughs> who may be from Florida now, yeah. but is a St. Louis area kid, correct? Yeah. yeah. And so I think it's going to help there as well. So uh, actually, no, let's just transition to him now, Sean, because we're going to move to defense. Let's talk about him now. Let's do it. We're talking about Samuel and Pemba. Yeah. Right. I mean, he's a, he's a St. He's Louis. a St. Louis area kid. He's a Missouri Absolutely. kid and he knows Gabriel Rubio. He knows Tyson Ford. He knows Christian Gray. He knows Jeremiah Love. That impact that Jaden Greathouse, having those Texas kids that he knew, you got to hope that it can impact Samuel Pemba because you got to find something. The reality is if it just comes down to Samuel Pemba in Notre Dame and all those SEC, Bama, Georgia, Miami, and the ACC, you need to find something that makes you different. And the thing that can make you different on top of your academic piece is, hey, man, look at the pipeline we're building in St. Louis. We're making St. Louis a priority, and we need you to to, to be part of that. Because you look, you look at his tweets, he's still very much – I mean, he's at IMG, but just like Cardinal Tate was with Chicago, like I'm at IMG because that's bettering me, but I'm a Chicago kid. Right. Right? And that's yeah. how Samuel Pemba is with St. Louis. It's very important to do that. You pointed out the connection between Chicago and St. Louis – you know, I, I want to point out as well the connection between coaching staffs between Chicago and St. Louis because most of them spend a lot of time at the same coaching clinics, whether it's down at the University of Illinois or whether it's up in Wisconsin. They go to the same circuits to get better. They know each other's coaching staffs. You have some people that have coached in Chicago that now coach in St. Louis and vice versa. And you talk about getting in on Chicago and St. Louis at the right time, Chicago specifically because there's been a rise in rejuvenation and public school programs like a Kenwood, like a Phillips to go along with standards like Simeon and CBS of the past to where now you're starting to see those big type of kids. I think 23 uh, safety that Mike Mickens actually went and checked out this summer. Mm -hmm. Personally, Khalil Tate ended up committing to Iowa this week. So 
you talk about that, you're talking about the importance of getting in and establishing the brand in those areas because you have to dominate those areas. Right. Those are areas where it's like, look, yeah, we are the dominant brand mm-hmm. that's nearest you. Like you're going to grow up watching us on NBC mm-hmm. and your younger siblings and their younger friends. Like we are the brand Establish that. And anytime we walk in a room, it should be, right. oh man, Notre Dame's here. I'll never forget when I was uh, playing basketball, I'll never forget when uh, Vivian Stringer mm-hmm. walked in the gym to look at one of our young ladies that was on the women's basketball team. It was like, even the boys stopped playing. Like, yo, Mm-hmm. That's Vivian Stringer. Right. Like, dude, you know who that is? Mm-hmm. And that's the, that's the vibe you want in the building right. when your staff walks in with the interlock ND. And I think in order to get in Pemba, it's going to take a little bit more. This is yeah. where what you do during the season sure. really makes an impact with a kid like him. Mm-hmm. You know, Jeremiah Love, you may be able to get him without actually having to play a game. Yeah. But a guy like Samuel and Pemba, it's going to come down to a game day visit in the fall against mm-hmm. Clemson. And it's going to come down to what you've done up to that point and what you do that night. That really makes an impact. Yeah. Over those other top SEC schools. And, and that's just the way it is. The dynamics of certain kids right. are different. You talk, just going back to Ronan Hannafin, just a tidbit. His sounding board has been Drake Bowen. Mm-hmm. Why? Because Drake Bowen ultimately had the same tug of war of his heart. Right. It was Clemson, Notre Dame. Right. And it was always Notre Dame, big picture. But his relationship with that, Dabo Sweeney is so charismatic. Yeah. So charismatic. Yeah. Like, we'll get you to come to his house and play basketball. And, 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 and it's genuine. I mean, you talk to kids, it's, it's genuine. genuine. Like yes. like Marcus Freeman. It's very yes. genuine. Yeah. Yeah. So you talked about the wide receiver coach developing their relationship. These are the tug of wars that young men go through. Right. right? And the tug of war for a kid like Samuel and Pemba, you know, ultimately, I think a kid like that, and, and when you go to a school like IMG and you dominate and win, winning becomes part of your DNA. It might be a little bit different if he was still in St. Louis mm-hmm. at his private school. But going to a school like that, winning becomes part of your DNA. And ultimately, you want to go to a pro game. Yeah, I want to I know that I have a really legitimate shot to win a national championship. It might not be the main factor. But it's going to be a factor. It should be a factor. And, yeah. and if you look at the schools on his list, it, it is a factor. Yeah. Here's here's where I'm going to point, go back to the St. Louis thing. Because to me, I expect they're going to be good this season. I expect really? Bama and Georgia to be good this season. I think a lot of those things are going to kind of cancel each other out. Then it comes down to the academic piece, kind of balancing with the fact that, you know, the Southern schools is, seems where he's very comfortable right now. Yeah. I'm going to go back to the fact of that's why I think St. Louis is important because you talked about how he's not in St. Louis now, but that's where his heart is. And that's why during that visit for him, you look at, you talk to Tyson Ford, mm-hmm. you talk to Gabriel Rubio. Hopefully Christian Gray is there. Hopefully yeah. Jeremiah Love is there because if he is, it means he's committed to Notre Dame. I expect that to be that big weekend because – the reason that I point to St. Louis, Sean, is because I agree with everything you said. Notre Dame won't be able to one-up those teams in the fall. Because by the time he makes his decision in December, at best, Notre Dame can just say, hey, we're in the playoff with most likely two or three schools that's on his list, right? And and so that's where I go back to what is the thing that can separate Notre Dame from those schools? Hopefully it's the relationship part. And I think that Jeremiah love is a big part of that. Christian gray was a big part of that. And, and so that's another kid that you had kind of battle back And the Christian gray. One is really interesting when going back and looking at the Ronan Hannafin recruitment, because there's people think Clemson's got the momentum. Well, Notre Dame went through that with Christian gray as well. Yeah, He was all Notre Dame in January. I mean, it was like, okay, the question was, is he going to commit now or is he going to take some visits first? When he took some visits and all of a sudden Notre Dame's like, uh, we're playing catch up. We're behind LSU and, Cle- and Ohio State now. 
Yeah. But you keep at it. You keep battling. And you, you get the job done. Ronan's one. Love is one. Allsburg, and Pemba's one because, as you mentioned, John, this one's not going to be over for a while. But that's one where the on-field product is going to have a big say. You have to at least show that we're in the same conversation with those schools. Yeah. You could be to help us be the difference to getting over that next level. Yeah. But there's just got to be more to it in, to me than that. Another player that <clears throat> could potentially take his recruitment into December, and he's – I mean, you talk to anyone publicly, this is what he says. He's going to take his decision into December. I've talked to a couple other people that said he's considering maybe making a decision now, but it looks like he's really adamant about taking it into December. So we'll see which side of that, which side of those sources ends up being correct. And that's Jaden Allsbury, the linebacker from, from uh, Baton Rouge. Right now, everyone pretty much admits that Notre Dame is a leader. They are his leader. The question is, is Notre Dame going to be able to, to do with him what they did with Jaden Greathouse and what they've done with some other players? And that is, yeah, we know you had a plan to go to December. We understand that. But if you found a place to be, be with us. Help us finish this thing out, right? We need you to help us get you know, Samuel and Pemba. We need you to help us get the kids we're trying to get next year. If you know where this is going to be, don't stick to some arbitrary timeline, right? Yeah. Let's make this happen. Yeah. Whether or not you can do that or not is a different conversation. But he's another one. Because I'll be honest, if he goes into the fall, anytime you are the leader for a kid, and it goes into the fall. I always think that's not the not best. Good. Not yeah. the best. Yeah. Because everybody knows you're the leader, which means what? They're all ganging up on you. Yeah. Right? Right. It's like when you when we were kids, you know, play King of the Hill, right? Well, everybody kind of hangs up on the one guy, and it's not till you knock him off that then you start battling everybody else. Right. right? I mean, I don't know how y'all played, but that's how we played it, right? Yeah. And so that's right now Notre Dame's King of the Hill when it comes to Jaden Osbury's recruitment, which means everybody's taking shots at Notre Dame. Right. And mm-hmm. and that's just kind of, you know, you, you hope that you can kind of ward that off. But the longer recruitment like that goes on, the less nervous that you you become on that. Because it, there's like what Jaden Greenhouse said yesterday, Sean, he just woke up every day and every day was the same answer. Our name, our name, our name. So it's like, you know what? Let's do this. Let's get this thing over with. Yeah. Was Jaden Osbury having that same conversation? Or are there other days he's waking up like, you know, it would actually be cool to play with my brother at Auburn. You know what? It might actually be cool to stay closer to home and, you know, Maybe play Texas A&M, which is a little closer to home. Maybe, maybe you know, maybe maybe I, it would be cool to to play where my dad works, where my dad played. You know, and right now they're not really on the radar, but they could. What if they go out and have a better year than we think? Yeah. Right. So I, I, that one, I'm, I'm I like where their name is at today, but it's one where I'll be honest, Sean. The longer it goes on, the the more challenging I could be. But he's a must get to me too. I I do I do want a third linebacker in this class now that Josh Burnham is playing end. I do think they need a third linebacker, and that kid to me is a really talented player and a great fit. And it's going to tell us a lot about when we talk about closing, Sean, this one, this one as much as any other, maybe even more than any other, is going to tell us a lot about Marcus Freeman's ability to convince a kid that is a Notre Dame kid that you're actually a Notre Dame kid more than the other things. and Because everything about Jaden Osbury screams – that's a Notre Dame kid, right there. kid, yeah. Except for his decision <laughs> right now to not yeah. commit to Notre Dame. Yeah. That's going to be an interesting one for me. He was the kid that we identified, both of us on film, and said, you know what? We got to get this kid. Like, I don't know if we can get him to leave the state or get him to leave the South for multiple reasons, but if we can. Yep. This kid is going to be an anchor yeah. in this program. Oh, yeah. On and off the field, you see it. Right? You know, it's you know it's funny. Every time we talk about Jaden Osbury, you never want to talk about him as a player. No. That's what I love. It's like you always oh. want to go to yours. He's gonna be this was Sean has never told me he thinks Jaden Osbury is gonna start. He's yeah. never told me that he is gonna be a great player. He's he's never he just said this kid's gonna be a captain. Now those things are implied. He's obviously a starter if he's captain, but right. I think that to me, Sean, I've always found fascinating that you have never once talked to me about what you think about him on film. You've only ever talked about, man, this kid's going to be a captain. This kid's going to be a captain someday. And that's like certain attributes that you look for when you watch film and you watch a kid and it's like, this kid is special. Right. There's some guys that can just run fast, run by everybody, take away angles, jump over everybody, and you just say, okay, like this 
He's a phenom. That's he's just a phenom. This kid, you watch him, and you find yourself watching the small things on film, like what's going on after the play, what's going on before the play, how he's communicating. You say to yourself, "Yo." To you, I don't think the Kobe Dean was the best player on Georgia's defense last year, but he was the most important. Yeah. He was the one yeah. the staff did not want to lose to injury, right? But he wasn't the best. He was undersized and didn't That's, have you know, and all that other kind of stuff. But he, right. yes, hundred percent. So you know, you need kids like that that can walk in. I'll give you a perfect example, right? We didn't think – I remember we did a show, and we were actually talking about the 22 linebacker class. And I asked you a question. I said, as a coach, do you think Junior Tulalamaka playing that one position in the middle gives him an advantage coming in just from a communication standpoint mm-hmm. and understanding? And you were like, yeah, I see what you're saying. But then you went on to talk about the attributes of the other kids and things of this nature. And then we get to spring practice and we're like, oh, oh, okay. There's Junior mm-hmm. in the middle of everything. And we're watching- I don't think that's because of his communication, though. I think that's because that kid makes a ton of plays. That's what I'm it's saying. The comfort at line, as a, it's a, the natural feel as a linebacker. He brings certain intangibles that you – really can't be quantified. Like, we can look at Jalen Sneed and just say, oh, my God, this dude is the best athlete in the class. Yeah. Without question. But you put him on the field. You put Junior on the field, and then you start to see, oh, okay. Yeah. Like, we, we need to have him on the field. We need to get him on the field. Kind of like Jadarian Price. They watch practice, right. and they're like, Okay, he's not going to start, but we need to find ways right. to get him on the field. And mm-hmm. I just think Osbury is that type of kid, like not just because of his physical attributes and what he can do, his intangibles, his prep. He brings things to the field that really can't be measured, but at the end of the day, you see the impact and you understand it has importance. And so he's just that type of kid. He's that type of kid. So for me, for those reasons, he's a must-get. Yes, because you need those types yes. of kids in your program. He's a, and he's also, I think, a statement recruit, Sean. Yes, you know Baton Rouge kid, you know Southern kid. I mean, if you can't go into the South and get him, you know, like you said, I mean, for all the reasons he fits Notre Dame, it's like okay, that's a that's a, a tough loss for me. And this is also a big challenge to me uh, for Al Golden. I mean, this is the and, and Ryan and I talked about this on a show on I think Tuesday. He's that kid that to me is the state is this that's the statement kid for Al Golden. You know, can Al Golden play a role in convincing him to to be a part of what they're doing? Yeah. And then lastly, and we won't talk a lot about this, Sean, because we've talked about this on past shows a ton. But you know, to me, I I think Tommy Reese has done a really good job recruiting as the offensive coordinator. I think it's fair to question. So, like, I th- I think he played a big role in in. You know, getting when Deion Colsey decommitted, Tommy played a big role in getting him back. You know, he played a big role in getting Logan Diggs. You know, and I've talked to people that said Tommy Reese and and Terry Joseph are who recruited Logan Diggs. He barely t- talked to Lance Taylor. You know, and you know, he's played a lot of those kind of similar roles. Keeping Tobias at Notre Dame last year. You know, uh, different at th- this year's class. We've heard about guys talking to Tommy Reese, Jaden Greathouse yesterday. Shout out to Coach Stuckey, Coach Freeman, and Coach Reese. You know, he play, he's played a role. Quarterback recruiting has been a little different, right? Notre Dame doesn't yeah. get Billy Shrouth last year if it's not for Tommy Reese. It's right. fact. That's not debatable. That's a fact. Uh, and I can say that because that's what Billy Shrouth told anyone that would listen to last year, you know? Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. But quarterback's been a different different story. And I and I don't think um, – I, I don't think that it's it's been um, – it's been an issue like it's, 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 I mean, I'm trying to think, you know, Tyler Buckner was a big one. You know, I, I like Drew Pine. I, I did think they took him a little early. You know, you made an evaluation to get Cade McNamara and then, you know, you lose him and there's other guys, you know, they, they chose to go after Brendan Clark and get a, instead of KJ Jefferson, who they could have, I think they could have, could have landed. 
you know, we know last year's quarterback issues where they're late getting on Drew Aller and they didn't make a run of Sam Horn. And then this year with Dante and, you know, there's always been a reason where you understand, oh yeah, I get why they lost that one. Or I understand that one, or this was a mistake, but at the end of the day, they just haven't consistently landed enough good quarterbacks. And so yeah, right. the Dante thing to me is, is I don't know what else learning. And I don't want to talk about Dante. This is just a lead up into my, what I do want to talk about. I don't know if they could have done anything differently with Dante other than maybe saying, hey, they should have realized what was going on earlier and moved off of him earlier would be the only criticism that I would really have of the staff at this point in time. But now you show us something if you're Tommy Reese. Now you show me something. Can you do at quarterback what you you led the drive to in, 20, in 2020 with your 2021 class of running back when you lost out on Will Shipley? Put all your eggs in the Will Shipley basket and you missed on him. But you quickly recovered and you went and got the kids you wanted. You got Logan Diggs. You got Audric Estime. And all of a sudden, yeah, I, I would people say, I, I don't want Will Shipley. I would take Will Shipley in a heartbeat if he wanted to pick Notre Dame. He's a darn good football player. Right. But he didn't want to be at Notre Dame. And the kids they got are also darn good football players. That's going to be the key. It, you know, there's to some, the, the not getting Dante Moore will always be the story. The end of the day, however, for me, it's about who you landed, and he's got to show us he can go out, identify a, a, a guy that can be a starting caliber player at Notre Dame, and that means championship caliber player. Because if you're a starting quarterback at Notre Dame, the expectation is championships. And I think right now there's two guys that they have their eye on, and you've got to get one of them, and and Austin Novasad and Kenny Minchie. And to me, this is a big test for Tommy Reese, in my opinion, to say, can you can you can you bounce back and recover at your position the way you have helped the offense at other positions? Because that's important. I mean, as an offensive coordinator, you can't just recruit your position. And I think Tom Reese has done a great job of recruiting the others. But what we don't know, can he recruit his position that way? Yeah. yeah. And that's that these next this next month is going to tell us a lot. And it's a great opportunity for him to say, hey. I am a force to be reckoned with on the recruiting trail, and this is this is how I can show it. I can I can get in with a kid whose parents went to A and M, and who Ohio State wanted way before we did, and I can I can get him. I think it's a big test for him, and I'm very curious to see how he how he grades out on that test. Yeah. It, this it, next might, month. it might be a little bit of apples to oranges, and it might be a little bit of correlation there, but I think ultimately the decision that they made as a staff. And then the conversation that they did have with Dante Moore can be kind of pointed back to ultimately the hard conversation they had amongst each other as a staff and the conversation they ended up having with Cedric Irvin Jr. Like apples to oranges on situations, but Mm -hmm. this decision has to be made. We have to move on. Let's do it. Right. You get CJ Carr in 24, to lessen the blow a little bit. Oh, yeah. But still, right. something needs to be done in 23. And yeah. you're absolutely correct. This ability to recover, jump back into the races with both of those prospects, both of those recruits, and win one. And win one. And, mm-hmm. and I ultimately, I have been critical of Tommy maybe – saying that in his recruiting, he has identified quarterbacks that he can see himself in rather than going out and just getting the best quarterbacks and being able to coach right. that particular quarterback. Right. That there, might not necessarily be right. somebody he can see. Right, because there, there has to be some level of fit into the system. Right. But fit into the system doesn't have to mean a guy that plays just like the last guy we had. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And like, do we're, we're doing a uh, we're doing it at Irish breakdown. We're going to have it up this afternoon. I'm going to finish putting it together, and so we'll have it up after our show sometime. But we're, we're Ryan and I, with the help of you and Vince and Sean to help and, and Devin to help break some ties. Uh, that, that being at the number one spot, mainly, uh, we've put together a one through fifteen list of quarterbacks, and we have Malik Cunningham in the top fifteen. I love yeah. Malik Cunningham. I thought he took such a jump next last year as a player. Mm-hmm. And and he's dynamic for them. I yeah. would not take him at Notre Dame. He's not. He doesn't fit what Notre Dame, who Notre Dame is. Right. Right. So there is a level of fit that has to happen. 
But to your point, a lot of the quarterbacks they've passed on weren't, it wasn't that situation. It wasn't a kid that's like, yeah, the kid can't really throw, you know, but we'll work on them. And, you know, there's, there's gotta be some, like you said, Sean, like this kid has things that fit in our system. We're going to tailor because Tyler Buckner doesn't necessarily fit the system the way that Tommy wanted it, but they didn't know that when they got a commitment from him. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. Well, the perception is, I mean, he, he fits the system as a passer, but he brings a running element that I don't think they necessarily look for or care a whole lot about. Yeah. You know, like take advantage of it if you have it, but they're not recruiting that kind of guy. Like for a while there, Notre Dame was recruiting, and this is where I'll give Tommy Reese credit. For a long time, Brian Kelly and his staff were recruiting guys like Everett Golson, Malik Zaire, Deshaun Kaiser, you know, Ian Book, Avery Davis, like a lot of really run throw and or dual threat quarterbacks. And we explained the difference in a show the other day, but then they weren't running an offense to fit those guys. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, Thank why you. do you keep recruiting these Phil Dracovic's another, yeah. why do you keep recruiting these guys? And then you won't tailor the offense to them. So I will give Tommy props here in that he is looking for quarterbacks that fit his offense. Yeah. I just think there needs to be a little, you know, I'd like to see a little bit more of a, you know, hey, get the best that you can possibly get of that type of quarterback. And that's yeah. where, you know, and it's not always just about the kid's really smart. Get a really smart kid, but get a really smart kid that also has a lot of talent. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that's what I, I want to see. And I just want to see him finish because I think that's the final piece to Tommy Reese, in my opinion, emerging as a really impact recruiter. Because, again, I don't think we can discount the job he's done recruiting the offense as a whole oftentimes without a lot of help yeah. in recent years. Well, and it's no shock that Notre Dame's putting together a really outstanding offensive class this year now that he finally has some help. It's also ironic that the one position that they don't have a kid is his position. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. And that's the balance that, you know, and again, that goes back to being 29 and not having the reputation that some other coaches he's battling with have. And you know the irony point. of it? As the staff was coming together, you and I would talk along with Ryan, and we were saying back in February, well, at least they have their quarterback. <laughs> That's the one we felt the most confident. <laughs> well, you know what? They don't have an offensive class yet, but <laughs> at least they have their quarterback. And here yeah. we sit with a, a nice offensive haul, and the quarterback is the position that they still have to yeah. go out and feel. So this that's recruiting. Right. Things can change. So that is going to be the fine to me. That's the final. I mean, there's there's three kind of pieces: the quarterback, Hannafin, and Love. That you know, if you can go out and get an Austin Novasad or a Kenny Minchie, if you can get Hannafin and Love, I mean, this is going to be an excellent, excellent offensive class. Absolutely. And that it's important. Yeah. It's important. I mean, you're talking about multiple top hundred guys, and and that's the thing that that I think has a chance to make this. This is why this close is so important, Sean. To me, you got to get one of Osbury and Pemba. You got to get one of them. Yeah. If you get both, great. You got to get one of them. You can't miss on any of these offensive guys, yeah. in my opinion, because this could be the first time in a very, very, very long time that Notre Dame is, is going to be able to go out and put together. Part of the reason Notre Dame has a chance for a number one or two class is because they're one of the few programs that have a chance to have a number one or you know a top three to four class on both sides of the ball. And that's not always the case. You'll see teams that have number one ranked class because their defensive class is loaded. Yeah. Not so much offense or vice versa. What made Bama and Clemson so good for so many years and Ohio State is starting to do an even better job of that is they were getting strong classes on both sides of the ball year after year after year. Notre Dame was always one or the other, right? Yeah. And that's what makes this class important. But you got to close. Love, Hannafin, love. And a quarterback, one of the quarterbacks on the board. You just can't take a quarterback for a body either. You've got to get a kid that can play. And you know what? To lose out and swing as hard as they did and miss out at quarterback, to be able to fall back on the two guys that they fell back on, you're like, okay, if, if that's if that's our parting gift from losing out on that guy, mm-hmm. possibly right. getting one of these two, yes. Right. You feel real good about that. Right. You feel really good about that. Because I, right. I would say this. I would say both are better prospects than Steve Angeli was. Mm-hmm. In yeah. my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. 
So now, I hope Steve proves us wrong, but yeah, that's fair. No, I think Steve that's has fair. proven us wrong from yeah. what we've watched in person. I know me personally. Yeah. I thought he was uh, lumbering. Oh, yeah. I didn't think that. Yeah. And I'm like, no, he can move a He's little quality bit. Quality athlete. Yeah. He's a quality athlete. And I watched him in a couple of practices like, Okay, I came in with low expectations. You think he was like the Ron Paulus the third, like another guy like that? Is that? No, no, no. I wouldn't even say that because I watched his high school film and I watched him. I knew he could mm-hmm. play. Mm-hmm. But it's like, okay, I see. He kind of came in at the end of you know a couple of scrimmages and it's like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. You know, you're expecting to see a kid overthrowing a right. freshman. Like, you're just going to look real. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that right you know, there is the thing about in, play action rollout. Yeah. On the money. It's I like, think okay. that's the thing that really stood out to me about Steve. Again, a lot of my concerns I have about Steve still exist. Yeah, yeah. You know, experience as far as being an impact passer, um, being able to to his ball placement still is not great. Even right. in the spring game was not great. Uh, you know, he he's got some timing things he's got to work on. There's parts of his game that need to get a lot better. His arm, you know, throwing the ball down the field. But the one thing that I that that really stood out to me is that. That kid, he doesn't carry himself like how I just described him. No, a freshman who lacks this, 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 and this. He can't, yeah. and I don't mean that in an arrogant way. It's not that at all. But like when he's on the field, John, he just he does have a presence. Now again, I got questions about the physical tools and all that, and that still has not been answered for me. Right. But the 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 presence is kind of thing. Like you know, you you guys talked about it in practice. I've had other people talk to me about it in practice. And then you watch him in the spring game, and it's like, this is just a thing, man. I'm just out here playing ball. I'm not stressed mm-hmm. by the fact that this game-winning drive right here and all. I mean, he just went out there and played ball. And, you know, I think that kind of impressed me. But the point is, is they, they do need a, a quarterback that can be um, a, a championship-caliber guy, and there's a couple on the board, and they got to get one. Got to get one. So that's, that's it for the recruiting section. Next, we're going to talk about uh, some missed opportunities. But before we move on, please hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, hit that notification bell, share this podcast, give us a five-star review if you are listening via a podcast platform.